long last, Inter-Miami has snapped its winless run. At long last, Inter-Miami has won a home game in 2021. And at long last, Inter-Miami has given its fans something to cheer about. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. I am Franco Panizo, half of your co-hosting team of this lovely podcast, the number one podcast on Inter-Miami, and joining me as the other half of this tandem is Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, how are you doing, brother? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. All the better for seeing um, seeing a win on, on Saturday night. Uh, it's great to see the fans going crazy. It looked like a great atmosphere. I was watching just from afar, um, but yeah, I think just... Confidence-wise, we, we keep talking about it. A good win, a, a not bad performance, and it just sets it up nicely now for these two games coming up. It's a three-game week, as uh, Phil Neville was telling us earlier today. Yeah, so today it, we are recording this on our usual day, Monday. The next game will be on Wednesday. Inter Miami just last played on Saturday. We're going to touch on all of that. We're going to touch on the victory against CF Montreal, the come-from-behind victory against CF Montreal. We will touch on Wednesday's edition of the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol in Orlando against, obviously, Orlando City. And we're going to touch on several different players and their performances, including, of course, Gonzalo Higuain. There's a lot to talk about, Steve. So, let's get to it. Okay, Primo, so Inter-Miami, as we mentioned, picked up a 2-1 victory at home at Drive-Pink Stadium on Saturday night against CF Montreal, and it was a come-from-behind victory. Inter-Miami fell behind after just 20 minutes in this one on a Joaquin Torres goal, but Gonzalo Higuain came up with a second-half brace, a penalty kick in the 49th minute, and then a goal from just outside the penalty area, the 18-yard box, in the 69th minute, and Inter-Miami prevails 2-1 to to win its first home game of the season and its first match in eight tries. They snapped their seven-game winless run. Quickly going over the lineup, this was Inter-Miami starters. These were Inter-Miami starters, excuse me, and it was Nick Marsman in goal, Kelvin Leardham at right back, Nicolas Figal at right center back, Leandro gonzalez Pires at left center back, Kieran Gibbs at left back. The first line of the midfield was Gregory and Victor Ulloa. The second line of the midfield was Lewis Morgan on the right. Federico Higuain at the 10. Robbie Robinson on the left. And up top was Gonzalo Higuain. Now, the obviously the one change was that Kelvin Leardam came into the lineup for Ryan Shawcross. Ryan Shawcross missed this game with back spasms is what Phil Neville said. So Leardem played right back and Nicolas Figal slotted in at center back position, tucking in from the right back spot he has been filling as of late. We'll touch more on Ryan Shawcross in a little bit, but sticking with this game right now, what was your biggest takeaway from the match? They just they I think they just they fought it out. I think they, you know, they they stuck together. It wasn't pretty. Never is that pretty, is it? Um and they just sort of ground ground out the win. Um, you know, it was quite a contentious penalty, wasn't it? Just after half time, you looked at it. It's one of those ones where you looked at it at seven million different angles, and you probably still couldn't really make a decision. I think there definitely there was contact, but back in the day, minus VAR, you could you could probably see why that wouldn't have been given, maybe. But no, nah, they needed a, a bit of luck. And then you know, even the the winning goal, 
you know, the keeper probably should have saved it, sneaked in. Robbie Robinson should have scored. I, th- I think they were, for, for large parts, they were in control. I know you were salivating over Phil Neville's tactical changes when he brought in <laughs> the, the tweet. I could sense that the emotion in your tweet, I mean, you're so excited. I'm so, I can't wait to see all the lines and stuff you're going to do soon, you know, drawing um, different things on the pitch to show exactly what he did. But you were right. It did. It, it solidified midfield, just tighten things up a bit. And I guess that's a good option for him. Although he hasn't, hasn't got many attacking options on the bench, at least he can sort of, you know, rejig um, various areas of the, of the pitch and um, tighten things up. And, uh, you know, I think they did that. Montreal didn't really have too much to offer, did they? Um, the little Argentinian playmaker, whose name was... The, Joe uh, Quintoris. Escape... Yeah, he, 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 he looked, he looked, he's a nice player and he was sort yeah, of kind of good. pulling the strings a bit. But he, and then he went a bit quiet, didn't he, towards towards the end. So, um, look, no, I think uh, a, a job a job, a job, job well done. And, you know, they badly needed that win because even at 1-0 when they were down, they, it wasn't looking too clever, was it? But then by the end, it was good. So, not pretty, never really is, but they got the job done and, and on to the next one. I'm going to pat myself on the back really quickly because I said weeks ago during the delay before the postponement of the New York Red Bulls game, which game on the schedule I thought Inter-Miami was most likely to win and end this funk. And I said then that it would be this game against CF Montreal. I stuck with that on last week's show, and I predicted a 2-1 to victory for Inter-Miami, which they got. So You're going to have a very, very sore back, <laughs> I think. That's... It'll be like sunburn. <laughs> I actually do need to go to the beach, actually. Funny enough that you say that. Um, but sticking on the topic of this game, my biggest takeaway was that, and you touched on a lot of interesting points there, but my biggest, biggest takeaway from this one was Gonzalo Higuain's performance and his post-game remarks that kind of put back into focus some of the mental and emotional struggles that he is going through given the loss of his mother back in late April. Now, we'll touch on that in just a moment, but I do want to touch on quickly on a couple of items you, you talked about, which was the, the penalty kick that leads to the equalizing goal. And there's definitely contact. There's 100% contact made. And the referee pointed to the spot immediately. He didn't go to VAR, at least didn't go to the screen to check it out. Um, on replay, when I saw it back after the game on the second viewing, there's definitely contact, and that's why there's a penalty kick. But Federico Iguain absolutely sells it because he takes another step forward after the contact, and then he lets himself lets himself go. But definitely a penalty kick. Inter Miami needed some luck to go their way, needed a break, and they got that in this game. Not only with that play, but obviously also with Fe, uh, Gonzalo Iguain's later decisive goal, the game-winning goal that he shoots. And like you said, CF Montreal goalkeeper James Pantamas gets a hand to it. I looked away. I thought it was out for a corner kick. Phil Neville said after the game that he did the same. He thought it also went out for a corner kick, so he looked away and he didn't see the ball go into the back of the net. I actually was, you know, typing on my on the laptop and then I looked up and I saw the fans celebrating and Gonzalo Higuain darting towards the sideline. So they they finally got the ball to bounce their way, in addition to putting forth a competitive performance that kept them in the game. So that that was crucial for Inter-Miami for pulling up the three points in this one. But switching gears back to Gonzalo Higuain and what he put forth in this one and what was said after the match. You know, what, what did you make of that? What did you take away from his game and his night on in this one? Now, you know, we've, we've spoken about Gonzalo Higuain a lot on here and, and privately and, you know, with other people. And I must admit that that hasn't really, we haven't really taken into account 
what they both went both the brothers and the family went through with the, obviously the sad loss of their mother now, obviously he has had his fitness problems i guess but they have they were have been exacerbated in the last few months and i think that was since or around the same time that obviously they they suffered suffer such a devastating loss so yeah you know yeah for sure definitely be cut some slack or sympathies with him and, and you know the, the, the sort of problems that, that he was going through uh, you know it's when, it doesn't excuse, I guess, the fact that he was out of shape, but it just it does put in a lot of context and so to perhaps why he wasn't totally focused on on football and you know there are other things going on and, and all that all that kind of stuff. Um, so look, you know, he's paid a lot of money, he, he scored the goals, and that that's all that that's all that, that matters in in terms of playing on the football pitch. You know, family trumps trumps everything, and um, yeah, so it was emotional just to, to, to see what what you know how he spoke about his mother and and how he's struggled to cope with it you know we spoke to Federico Higuain and even I asked him actually you know how's Gonzalo doing and he didn't really touch on any of that he just said well you've got to ask Gonzalo yeah. so he, he wasn't didn't really say anything so we weren't really sort of you know au fait with exactly what was was going on so it, you know at least that paints a, a bit of a broader picture I, st- I still don't think that the the coaching staff are, are necessarily happy with him and you know they uh, they feel potentially he's a bit of a divisive member of the squad like a few other players which I'm sure we're going to touch on but look good for him scored his goals and then he made a nice tribute to, to his mother and he's been having a hard time so let, let's hope that um, this can help sort of ease the pain a little bit not that it will you know it, it can't solve everything unfortunately but um, yeah you know maybe he uh, exercised a bit of bit of anguish there. So obviously I wouldn't expect you and maybe some of the listeners that don't speak Spanish to have listened to the special edition Miami Total Football a Radio podcast we did last week in Spanish. Jose and I did one, and we exclusively talked about Gonzalo Higuain and the season he's having. And in that conversation, we did bring up, or Jose did bring up, the fact that obviously he, you know, he had lost his mother a few months ago, and that that could be weighing on him and impacting him. And then, you know, it just happens to be that a few days later he scores two goals and. He talks about this very openly and very emotionally, you know, during his post-game press conference, you know, it was my sensation, my takeaway in the room there that he was on the verge of tears after being asked the second question about his mother um, and about his feelings after the game when he was hugging his father, who he said was crying after the game, who, you know, Gonzalo Wayne pointed to the sky as a nod to to his late mother. Um, You know, in that moment, Gonzalo Wayne had, his eyes got very watery, his voice started to to tremble a little bit and and it looked like he was really trying his best to hold back from from breaking down which would be completely understandable um given the loss he has suffered and as well as his brother but he did say look this is something that is impacting him it's still affecting him and he said it's going to affect him for the rest of his life because it's the biggest loss a human being can, can have those were his words he also said look we're not we're, we are humans, we're not robots, but he is trying to manage this and trying to turn the sadness that he has, the sorrow that he has over her loss into joy for her memory, but that it's all still a work in progress for him, that he has struggled with that. You know, it has come, you know, has been taken onto the field in practice and in games, but he's trying to figure out how to manage that and push it, um, not push it away, but just change change the sentiment so that he can, you know, deliver for the team and also give what he thinks she would want, which is the best for him and his brother, that she would want to see them succeed at Inter-Miami and, and to do that 
you know, he obviously has to has to perform on a consistent, consistent basis. But speaking of a consistent, consistent basis, if you look at his numbers now, after this recent performance, and there's been room for criticism over the course of the year, I will not argue that there hasn't been, but he now has seven goals and two assists. He has a hand, a direct hand, or has been directly involved in nine of Inter-Miami's 12 goals this year. Those are pretty good numbers. That's a pretty good return any way you look at it. The fact that there's still another level he can hit, which he also acknowledged during his post-game press conference. You know, I asked him about his fitness plan. You know, this was the first time we could speak to him in in several months, almost three months, I think. So he touched on the fact that he he acknowledges he's not at 100%, that he feels like he's getting better, that he's on a a slow path, or, or excuse me, not a slow path, but he's on a gradual progress towards getting to where he needs to be, but that he's also still still trying to work at that. So the fact that there's still more he can give with those numbers is you know, it's a good sign for Inter Miami, but he has to get there and the team has to get there. Something else Phil Neville touched on after the match was that he wants to see other players start scoring goals to take the load off of Gonzalo Higuain. He mentioned Lewis Morgan. He mentioned he mentioned Robbie Robinson. He mentioned the center backs. He wants to see them score off of set pieces. So other players also have to deliver in the final third. Obviously, Gonzalo Higuain is the five, six million dollar man who is the star striker and the the most recognizable face on this team. So he's the one that's in charge or most responsible for putting the ball in the back of the net. But he also does need more help. This team also has to do better because, again, statistically, he is performing. Um, obviously, you want to see a little bit more of a consistent effort from him and better attitude but like we said uh you know there are things he's struggling with off off the field now what did you make of his performance in this one let's let's take let's take aside the the post-game comments for now just the performance he put forth because phil said phil novel said after the game he wasn't happy with gonzalo guayne's first half obviously the second half he's he's decisive gonzalo guayne proves decisive with the two goals converts the penalty kick and scores, you know, a, a shot from distance, a hard shot. Pantemis gets a hand on it, but can't get it, can't get it out. Is this a good performance from from Gonzalo Higuain? Or you know, the record books will show that he scored two goals again. I think in the in the build up to the match, another wonderful question by me, obviously. But, um, but we spoke to <laughs> patting Pat- on our, patting ourselves on the back quite a bit. On oh this man, episode. I'm patting myself so bad. I'm about to fry an egg on my back in a minute. Um, the, um, <laughs> You know, we, I, you know, we suggested if Phil Neville, is it a case of maybe, you know, could you drop deeper? Could he potentially be like a sort of a, a deep line midfielder, like a playmaker? And he, and he basically said, look, he's our best player. We need him up front to score goals, but he's our best player. So we need to try and find different ways to try and get him in the game as much as possible and do what he does best, which is which is score goals. So, yeah, first half, I don't think any of the team, they didn't necessarily play that well. They probably deserve to be, you know, a goal down. But then, you know, they, they sort of sparked in, in the second half and they were they were livelier. You know, um, he was he looked better on the ball. He was contributing more. He just he needs the other players around him. We, we keep saying it every week it's a broken record. We need the other players to. Well, Phil Neville needs the other players to to, to contribute. And you know, Lewis Morgan has been, you know, starting to spark a little bit and you know show 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 the sort of form that he had last season. Uh, they're just crying out for Robbie Robinson was was lively. He should have scored. Um, so there, there's there are sort of signs that. You know, uh, things are things are getting better, but he, they need consistent performances from other players in, in the team. But if he's if Iguain is scoring goals, then then that's good. But 
remember it was a penalty a slightly dubious one and then and then a goal that that potentially the keeper should have really saved but Robbie Robertson should have scored anyway to make it 3-1 so he did enough, put it that way. I don't think he was sensational, but um, he did enough. And he does assist, doesn't he? In the, in the previous game, the lovely ball, wasn't it? Through to, um, I can't remember. Uh, Robbie Robinson. Yeah, yeah, Robbie Robinson, when he, when he scored that goal. Um, so, you know, there's, 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 there's good signs there, good signs. Right, we talked on last week's podcast about how he shows the class that he has, the quality he has when the when the ball is at his feet. It's great on the it's ball. The, it's great. the physical. It's the physical side that he, he needs to improve on because... We know that he has quality, and we've seen that he has quality. It's just physically in a league that emphasizes more of the physical aspects more than maybe the technical one, technical ones that he he needs to be a little bit better in that way. And if if he can get better in the relatively short future, then Inter Miami is going to be really well off because a more physically fit Gonzalo Higuain will will be able to make a, even an even bigger impact on games. You know, I I, I was. Kind of looking to see if he'd get his hat trick in this one. Um, obviously, he came out, so he didn't get he didn't have the opportunity or the, the opportunity for ninety minutes. But you know, like you said, he also played in a great ball to Robbie Robinson that should have put the game away. But Robbie Robinson was unable to put to put that chance into the back of the net. We'll touch on that actually in in a few moments as well. I want to talk about Neville's tactical change next because, like you mentioned earlier, and I already have actually done my. My, uh, you know, my my triangles and my lines and <clears throat> explaining what, what what happened there. To me, for me, aside from Phil Neville saying he spoke to Gonzalo Higuain in private and had more of a human talk with him before the FC Cincinnati game back in May when Gonzalo Higuain also scored two goals. Besides that, this is probably the best bit of coaching, at least from what I've seen or what I know about or what we know about, that... Phil Neville has done this year because Inter Miami was tied at one to one when this when this move happened, but it did not look like the team that was most likely to get the second goal. CF Montreal was carving Inter Miami up with some nice passing sequences, some nice combination play throughout the first 60-65 minutes of this game. And in the 66th minute, Phil Neville makes a change that in the moment I wasn't in agreement with. I was kind of questioning why he was putting in Blaise Matuidi, who has had defensive issues and who has had his lapses in concentration. But it was a moment of genius from Phil Neville because what he did was solidify the middle of the park, solidify the midfield with another player in there. Now, he took off Federico Higuain, who was playing at the 10 in the 4-2-3-1, and he switched into a... Five, three, two, and what he did was the the midfield triangle, right? You have Iguain at the ten. Try to picture this. I know this is an audio thing. This is a podcast, but Iguain Federico was at the top of the midfield triangle with Gregory and Victor Ulloa underneath him, right? So, so picture that triangle. What Phil Neville did in that substitution was invert that triangle. So now Gregory was at the bottom of the triangle by himself, and then you had. Victor Ulloa and Blaise Matuidi in more advanced position. So the triangle was upside down. But what that did was give Inter Miami more bodies, more numbers in the middle of the park. And CF Montreal no longer had those clear passing options that they had enjoyed playing to and through for much of the game. Even in the first half, I don't know if it was your takeaway, but 
the way that they passed and moved the ball with the quickness and sharpness and combination play was impressive to see. But that all changed once Inter-Miami brought, brought on this tactical switch and this formation switch. I, it's not necessarily that Blaise Matuidi changed the game. It was just Phil Neville's decision to throw something at CF Montreal that they didn't expect, and it paid dividends. Because not only did CF Montreal now have issues trying to build out from back to front as successfully as they had throughout the first 65 minutes of the game, they also looked confused. They also didn't know, look like they knew what they were trying to do or what they wanted to do anymore. And that allowed Inter-Miami's press, its high press, to become immediately much more effective. This, the change happens in the 66th minute. The goal happens in the 69th minute. The game-winning goal happens in the 69th minute. And it's with a high press. And you see the center back kind of dawdle on the ball, try, unsure of what to do with it. Robbie Robinson and Gregory force him into a turnover. The ball pops out. And Gonzalo Higuain alertly races to it, kicks it with his left foot, and the ball goes in. And obviously, you can see how much it meant to him when he raced towards, towards the sideline. Full sprint, full mad dash towards the corner flag. So... That, for me, changed the outcome of the game. A couple of minutes after that, on the broadcast, I didn't see this live and in person in the stadium, but on the broadcast, you see CF Montreal's head coach, Wilfred Nancy, he looks away from the action, and he looks down at his little tactical board, his little whiteboard with his little, um, I was going to say fichas, which is the Spanish saying for, like, pieces. He has his little tactical pieces to, to change the shape and, and, you know, show players what he wants. And he looks away from the action to start moving pieces there to look for solutions. He, because he was trying to figure out how to get better, how to get back into the game from the run of play. Because Inter-Miami had wrestled co- complete control away from CF Montreal. And CF Montreal was practically out of answers. And they never found a way back into the game. They just started sending long balls and try to make things happen. They did have some chances late when, when Nancy changed the formation and, and put more numbers forward to try to to try to find the equalizer, but they never get it. Inter Miami holds on for the victory, and they get to celebrate with their fans afterwards. A nice a nice moment with the with the supporters groups and the fans in in the stadium. Steve was for you quickly because I know I've just talked a whole lot, or maybe not quickly. You can talk for a while. Yeah, too. no, no. Um, is, was this was this the the best piece of coaching from Phil Neville in twenty twenty one? It's just it's just about having the option, isn't it? Having the option. To, to be able to do that, you know, to call on, on someone like Matuidi, who's been on the bench for the last few weeks, you know, maybe that's his kind of role, you know, just to come on and, and just have that impact like that. Yeah, but he affected the game well with the options that he had, you know, on the on the bench and it worked. You know, sometimes he, in the past, maybe maybe he's 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 waited maybe too long to to make it a, to make a call, but I don't know. It's 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 difficult when you're in the heat at the moment like that. But no, this one, like you say, you got it absolutely spot on. He pushed the exact buttons or the right buttons at the right time. And look, I'm not saying Matuidi had a bad game. I think he had a solid game. He he did his job, his you know his function, his role. But again, I think it's more the decision from Phil Neville, the immediate awareness to see that the game was starting to slip away from Inter Miami, even with it tied at one to one, and immediately doing something that tilted the balance in their favor and helped them win this game. So I think it has more to do with Phil than with Blaise Matuidi, but I do want to talk about Matuidi standing because he was once again coming off the bench in this one, and part of the reason for that is because, well, one, he hasn't been playing well, but two, Victor Ulloa has taken his place in the lineup and very quietly made it his own. And he is really, really impressed as far as I'm concerned. And this is going to sound maybe 
mind-boggling to some listeners out there, but I think Victor Uyoa was the man of the match for Inter Miami in this last game because from minute one to minute 90, he put forth a very complete performance. He obviously doesn't have the decisive plays like Gonzalo Higuain, the, the two goals, but he was sound and doing his job. And on the defensive side, and in moving the ball, and breaking things up, and and it has to be noted that he helps set up the penalty kick that sparks the comeback, that sparks the rally, because the ball is cleared out by a header, and Victor Ulloa, who's chasing it, turns away from goal, and just with just pure effort, just the pure effort that categorizes him as the player that he is in MLS, he stretches out his leg and kicks the ball backwards into the penalty area, and it just happens to fall to Gonzalo Higuain, who tries to dribble forward. You know, he goes down to the ground. Federico Higuain tries to race onto the loose ball, and then he there's the contact and the and the penalty kick foul right after that. So that penalty kick starts because of Victor Ulloa's effort and, and just commitment to the cause, not giving up on, on the ball and just trying to throw it back into the penalty area. So for me, Victor Ulloa was the man of the match. I don't know if you if you share that that thought, but let's listen to Phil Neville's quote from Monday, today's press conference, pregame press conference ahead of Wednesday, as he talked about Victor Ulloa's impact as of late with the team. If you think about Victor versus Orlando in the in the uh, in the first game, whoever plays next to Victor plays better, and that's the biggest compliment I can pay to Victor that he makes other players around them play better, feel more comfortable. He plugs holes, he plugs gaps, he. He uh, he's just a fantastic professional. Uh, I think he's actually improved. He's improved in terms of his passing range, his technical range, in terms of passing forward. We've encouraged him to be a little bit more uh, braver in terms of his passing range. I think he can he can make the diagonal, he can make the pass forward, and not take the safe option. So I think I think he's he's been outstanding. Uh, so he makes players around him better, and that's a sign of a really good player. Primo, you hear that? What do you think? I don't know what you have thought about Victor Ulloa in these recent games. I don't know if you would consider him man of the match. I know a lot of people probably would not because he's not a player, again, that is super flashy or super sexy or does anything that really wows you. He's not that type of player, but he does do his job very soundly, and he has, I think, improved as of late. I think even in the New England Revolution game, he was one of the better players for Inter Miami. Now, obviously, that, that was a 5-0 bloodbath, so hard to really find, you know, to find someone there and say, all right, these were the, these were the good players. But I thought, again, out of in that game and in, in the other two, since then, he has been pretty, pretty solid. What are yeah, your thoughts? He is. He's, he's solid. I think that he likes the fact that he has that kind of solidity in midfield uh, with Gregore and Uloa that just gives him you know a good firm base in the middle of the park not not the most exciting of players not going to create a great deal but just does the job right. and you know you need to he needs to needs to you know be have a, have that solidity you know to, to rely on in 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 the middle of middle of midfield because that's that's the en- engine room it's all clichés here but um um, you know that's that's something you can rely on. You've got to keep it tight, and then and then the problem their problem has been offensively, isn't it? It's just creating chances. Yeah, look, he's he's what you call in Spanish un cumplidor, which is a solid if unspectacular player. He might not win a game for you because he's not going to score a whole lot of goals or he's not going to deliver assists, but he does his job well and as of late he's been doing his job really really 
well in that middle of the park. And, you know, again, I think he's kind of flown under the radar as of late. Keep an eye on him in this game against Orlando City because even in the last match against Orlando City at, at home at DraftKings Stadium, thought he also did fairly well there in terms of helping Inter Miami win some of that that midfield battle. So, like, I have friends, I have family members that follow Inter Miami, that are fans of Inter Miami, and they text me and we talk, you know, just from a, a soccer standpoint. And I've had people before this game say, "No, I don't, I don't see what you see in, in Victor Uyoa." But then after this game. I had a few texts from from some family members and some friends to repeat that were like, "All right, that was his best game um, that I've seen in a long time." Those were those were their words. But last player I want to touch on really quickly here was Robbie Robinson, who, like you mentioned, had a chance to put the game away at three to one. Didn't fancy him though. Did I? I didn't fancy him when he went through. Bless him. I didn't. I didn't fancy him to score. So, so, <laughs> well, um, okay. I want to hear why. Why? But before before I, before you tell me why. Um, Look, this is going to sound harsh to some people um, that we will criticize him in a game that they won for not putting the ball in the back of the net, but it matters. It matters because that would have iced the game. That ends it for Inter-Miami, barring a late collapse. And the fact that he didn't left the door open for CF Montreal to find an equalizer. They don't, which is good for Inter-Miami, and is not makes this less of a talking point. But if they had not, if they had given up an equalizer, then this this miss from him, this clear one-on-one miss, becomes that much bigger of a talking point, and it costs them more importantly points. So that that on that type of play, that has to be put away. That absolutely has to be put away. But why did you not fancy him? Why did you not think he was going to put that one in? Doesn't just doesn't exude confidence when he when he was going through. I just I was you know the great strikers. You just know when they get the ball. Bearing down on goal, they're, they're going to score, and I, not it's not that like I didn't want him to score, and I'm sure that he will, in, you know, in in the future. He's only he's only young, and that, you know that would have been real great confidence booster for, for him if he would have done it, and he, and he will get those chances again, and he'll learn from that. But um, yeah, he just didn't didn't look didn't look confident. Just needed to lift it just a little bit higher. I think the keeper saved it with his legs, if I remember correctly, um, or it was just yeah, he just needed to kind of dink it over him. Uh, thankfully for into Miami, it wasn't a um, it wasn't that bigger miss because you know they obviously they they held on but it would have done wonders for his confidence i think in the team's confidence if you know for, for a three one but at least they were creating those chances es muy diestro robbie robinson es muy diestro and what that means is he is way too right-footed look at the play again listeners if you, you know you want to pause the podcast here and go look at the highlights on miami total football's youtube page or or anywhere out there on the web Go and look at the play again. And Steve, I would I would tell you to do the same because Gonzalo Higuain flicks the ball through to Robbie Robinson who has the speed to get him behind, and he does. But instead of dribbling towards goal, he just dribbles in a straight line away from goal. And the reason for that is because he does not have a left. He doesn't feel confident in his left foot. He doesn't like using his left foot. Because if he had taken a touch towards goal, that puts him in a posture to have to shoot the ball with his left. And because of his lack of left foot, he just kind of dribbles in a in a straight line or a diagonal line with the ball away from goal. And that, that takes that sorry, that reduces the angle he has on frame. And he tries to shoot it with his right, it's a decent shot, but the goalkeeper makes a save with his leg or with his foot. Um just if smash Robbie it in, Robinson, man. Just smash it in. Smash it in top corner. If he, had, if he had, listen, if he had taken a touch towards goal instead of away from goal, he has 
much more, many more options and a much bigger frame to shoot at. The angle's much larger for him, but it puts him on his left foot, and that's why he did not take the touch towards goal. That's something that Inter-Miami has to work with him. The coaching staff has to work with him on, something he has to work on. He needs. To, he's still young, obviously, but that's something that has to be has to be added to his game because he needs to have some confidence in that left foot. Otherwise, decisions like this or other opportunities like this are going to go to waste because you have to be able to at least rely on your left foot somewhat. And this one, if he had had a tad bit more confidence in that left foot, that ball goes into the back of the net yep. and he scores and he scores. But and because he, he takes the touch towards goal, he takes the touch towards goal, and that that opens his possibilities to scoring. He could curl it in with the left foot if he opens his hips. He could chip it with his right over the goalkeeper. He has much many more options by dribbling away from goal and pushing himself into a wider spot. He's been forced to just shoot with his right foot, try to get a crossbody shot to the far post, and, and this time he, he wasn't able to get enough placement. The goalkeeper makes a save, so that's definitely something that again for me has to be corrected from the coaching staff and from Rob. Robinson, but we'll leave it there. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back after this. We'll preview this week's Sunshine Classico against Orlando City, as well as talk about another player from Inter Miami that is on his way out from the team. After the goal, I felt a sensation very strange. I came to images of my mother's head that que bueno, yo sé que de arriba ella está mirándonos y se lo dedico a mi familia, a mi papá que estaba en la cancha, a mi familia, eh, mi mujer, mi hija y, y la verdad que muy contento. El gol es para ellos también porque siempre están apoyándome y sobre todo para mi mamá que, que sé que desde arriba no, nos está mirando. Ok Steve, we're going to talk about this Wednesday's game. On the road against in-state rivals Orlando City. But before we do that, we're going to touch on quickly the news that started to trickle out on Friday night into Saturday. And then obviously, finally, officially announced by Inter Miami on Monday. And that is that Matias Pellegrini is in Argentina. He has rejoined Estudiantes de la Plata where he came from. But it's on a one-year loan that runs through the summer of 2020. 22 a resolution to the dilemma that was his him being the fourth dp him not being eligible to play this season for inter miami because they bought out his contract quote quote in mls terms even though he was still with the team and on its we'll see this is where it gets all confusing not on the roster officially but he was still being paid by the team and was still around training with the first team just wasn't playing games for Inter Miami because he was not allowed to, he was not eligible to, and he also did not play for Fort Lauderdale CF. Steve, before we go into what we think about the move and, and, and a little more detail, let's hear Phil Neville's quote from Monday's press conference ahead of this Orlando City game talking about the resolution that has come for Matias Pellegrini and his return to Argentina. Uh, in terms of Mati, uh, I think because of his because of his lack of experience, because he's in a country where he doesn't speak the language, because of his age, I think he found it all. I don't think he understood the situation at all, and I and I still think today he doesn't understand the situation of why this has happened and how it's transpired, and ultimately it's through no fault of his own, and that's why we all feel so. Uh, sorry for him because he's a, he's a fantastic boy who probably doesn't understand what's happening to him, and all he wanted to do was pull on the shirt for Inter Miami. Even to the last day, we, 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 he, was, he was trying to find ways of playing for us. We were trying to find ways of him playing for us. And ultimately, 
that there was no way that there was no way the league would let us any way that we any way that we wanted to. The boy wanted to rip up his contract. The boy wanted to start again. The boy wanted to totally give everything up just to start again to play for this football club. That was his commitment to us and 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 we wish him all the best that's why we've done everything in our power to try and help him to train him hard to keep him a part of the club uh but ultimately the the rules are the rules and we've had to abide by them but but what a fantastic young boy steve we've heard that we also heard phil neville say he thinks matias pellegrini's career with inter miami is behind him what do you think of this move for for him and for inter miami yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just the culmination of a of a complete shambles behind the scenes in terms of everything that that went on with Matuidi and you know the his signing and everything like that. He, Phil Neville actually, as we just heard, you know, painted a pretty sad picture of, of a guy that didn't really it wasn't his fault. He, he it wasn't his right. fault that Paul McDonough and the other guys sort of messed messed up behind the scenes. He's he's the full guy for all of this, and you know, he painted the picture of just a young kid that just wanted to. To be an MLS, with no disrespect to Argentinian football, but you know he, he probably wanted to be here. It's, it's more, you know, it's probably better for his career that he was he was here. Not to be any disrespect to River Plate or Boca Juniors or New News Old Boys or any of those teams. Um, for him, it, it, for him as, as a player, it was, it was a good move for him. He's a young kid coming to MLS, living living Miami, you know, live the life, whatever, and then it was taken away from him. And Phil Neville said that he was trying to do everything he could to. To stay, it's just a, a sorry, sorry chapter, really, because it's a shame because we, we talk about options off the bench and we started to see sort of little glimpses of, of what he potentially could do last season. He, he was still very raw, but as you've seen, Robbie Robinson, a year on, he looks a much better player now than he did this time last year. And that could have been the same with him as well. And to throw him on the on the pitch for, for 20 minutes at the end if they need a goal, you know, that, that would have been... Decent and a good option to have. So um, yeah, just you know the the culmination of just a, a, a litany of, of mistakes and errors from the front office that have sort of resulted in a in a kid's sort of a kid. I mean, a, a young player, um, his career just sort of stalling stalling a bit. And um, yeah, the, the the way they can there's no way they can juggle the funds or, or the finances to to bring him back. It's just it's one of those things. So just a, a shame really. But at least they can now. Close the close the uh, the door on 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 this sort of saga and, and try and move on. They're still going to have to push one other player out. I would have thought to balance the books. I'm told Gonzalez Perez is probably going to be on his way out if if they can find a buyer for him. But you know they need to balance the books, don't they? As we've mentioned in previous pods. Yeah. So look, just touching on Pellegrini, although that that note you just said about Gonzalez Perez, I'm not going to let that fly under the radar because that's pretty notable um, because he's a starter on this team. Obviously, we've talked about the fact that they are going to have to move players ahead of next season because of the fact that they have sanctions coming their way and that it's going to take allocation money away from them. Gonzalez Pires fits into that category of a player that has allocation money um, given to him. Obviously, those are complex MLS designations and rules, but um, you know it would be a loss, I think, for Inter-Miami, a significant loss for Inter-Miami if, if they have to get rid of Gonzalez Pires because even though he's been a yellow card machine, he, he received his eighth one this weekend and he'll miss the, the Wednesday match against Orlando City because of it, per MLS rules. I still think he has a lot to offer in Major League Soccer, especially on a team that has a better level. So if Inter Miami were to get to a better level, I think you would see an even better version of Gonzalez Pires. I think he, like a lot of the other players, 
his level has dropped as a result of just the overall team dropping and, and struggling as well. But just touching on Pellegrini because I think it deserves some some more conversation because, you know, we haven't been able to speak to him. You know, we did not get a chance to speak to him at all this year. So we've never heard from him. Has he ever him. spoken? I, I, he spoke last year. He spoke last year yeah. on, a, on a couple of occasions, on a couple of different occasions. Um, let's, let's remember he was also one of the club's first two signings. He was yeah. one of the team's first two signings back in July 2019 along with Julian Carranzas. And obviously, neither of them has been a hit. Neither of them has done wonders. Um, but... Look, Matias Pellegrini got the short end of the stick here because through no fault of his own was he put into this very difficult situation at a time in his career where he needs to be playing and needs to be getting games to develop. Um, and unfortunately, he did not because of the, the mishandling of the finances on the back end behind the scenes. So quickly, just want to touch on this quote from sporting director Chris Henderson in the press release today, Monday, that announced... Pellegrini's departure and he says quote Matias has shown world-class professionalism and attitude as he continued training with the first team during the last months despite the difficult circumstances and we're glad to have found a great opportunity for him the club wishes him all the best as he returns home for this loan with Estudiantes de la Plata end quote now obviously because it's a loan and because it runs through June of next year 2022 there was some talk some chatter from fans in the immediate aftermath about, well, maybe he comes back, maybe they can restructure his deal. But Phil Neville kind of made it sound like it's not going to happen. Like Pellegrini's not returning to Inter Miami, that he will move on and is not coming back. So, look, things can change. Things change in the, in the world of football very quickly. But, look, I, I've said this, I think, months ago. I think Matias Pellegrini's has played his last game in an Inter Miami Jersey, because if he were to come back, they would have to again restructure his deal or figure figure that out. How much money? How much money are they allowed to give him under MLS rules? Because he's making a certain amount now. You know, is he going to be able to just take a, a, a big loss and be under a different designation? I don't think so. And then you take into account that they're also going to be hit with the sanctions. He, you know, even if you took off the young DP label from him. He's, he's not going to be able to be a TAM player. You'd have to be betting pretty big on him to be a TAM player when you don't have that much uh, allocation money because of the, 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 the sanctions. So I think he's played his last game in Inter-Miami Jersey. I'm going, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled to the interviews he does with Estudiantes de la Plata. He actually had a nice arrival, it looks like, once he, he got to Argentina. Um, and he was greeted by, by some fans. So that's what, that's what I, I saw on social media. So... Good for him. I'm going to keep an eye on him and how he develops throughout the rest of his career, but especially here in the short term. I'm curious to hear what he says in the interviews that he inevitably does, speaking about this chapter with Inter-Miami, because obviously, you know, he might have wanted to be here. He might have shown good professionalism, but, you know, it it wasn't an ideal situation for him, and, and he deserved better. He deserved better. Now, quickly changing gears to the Wednesday game. Steve, they're playing an Orlando City team that's pretty, pretty good. Has dropped some results as of late. Starting goalkeeper Pedro Galese, who is Peruvian, Peruvian national team starter, has also been dealing with an injury. But this game is in Orlando at Exploria Stadium. What do you think? What do you think Inter-Miami has to do to get a result? Maybe, you know, even even if it's just a draw, what does Inter-Miami have to do to, to keep this goodwill and this good 
run that they've started to piece together going? What do they have to do? What is the key to the game for you? They, they, I think they need to just keep keep tight, really, keep it tight, and hope to to hit them hit them on the break. I think that's the thing. You know, they're going to be wary of of Nani. Obviously, he's, he's played well against Inter Miami in the in the past. He's their he's their attacking spark, isn't he? The one that really makes things happen. One of the best players in the league by 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 a long way. Um, I think he'll look to 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 shore it up in the, in the middle of the park, like we said, lower. He was raving about him, wasn't he, earlier, which we touched on, and Gregore in the middle. Obviously, he's got the... the, the Gonzalez Perez is suspended, so injury doubt over Shawcross. So he's got a sort of decision to make there, who, who he brings in. But he has he has got some some options, hasn't he, on, on the bench. So I think they'll, they'll look to to keep it tight and then then just try and try and pick them off. You know, they can hit hit them on the break. We, we saw that the, the other the other night. You know, um, they have got the players to do that. Um, it's just whether or not they can just try and keep a keep, keep a clean sheet. The longer it goes nil-nil, then the, the, they're still in the game. They've definitely got a chance. So the key to the game for me in this one is to limit Nani. Try to do whatever it takes to negate the impact that he makes. Now, that obviously is easier said than done. But if you remember the last game at Drive Pink Stadium between these two teams, Inter Miami actually did a very good job of that against him up until late. Then in the end, he gets an assist. And then he gets a game-winning golazo, a great finish that is probably a candidate for MLS goal of the season. And he makes an impact in just that short amount of time. But if they can do, repeat that performance bar the last 5-10 minutes, I think they give themselves a chance to win because they were close to winning that game. They were close to winning that game at home and it obviously slips away late. So I think if you can negate him, whether that's double-teaming him, giving Lewis Morgan more defensive responsibilities along with with probably Kelvin Leardam at right back, I think that gives you an opportunity to to be able to at least get a point, maybe three, but at least a point in this one and just start, you know, continue to accumulate points as you try to climb out of the basement in the Eastern Conference. So and let's 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 also be sorry, let's be right. I mean, they have, they've been letting in goals, you know, let two in against Atlanta. Obviously, beat got beat five five zero the, the previous game in, in NYCFC. So um, you know, they're not Orlando, not, Orlando. You're talking about Orlando. Or Orlando, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been letting in, they've been letting in a fair few amount of goals. So um, you know, they've 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 maybe got some problems at the back as well. So you know, they're not it's not exactly uh, the uh, unbreachable defense that um, you know that that Orlando have. They, they've you know they Miami are going to get chances for sure. Yeah, so Orlando has slipped up as of late, but they're still in second place in the Eastern Conference. They're at eight four and four, so still a pretty good team. And they do have plenty of weapons that can make an impact, of course, most notably Nani. Now, Steve, you touched on something that is a talking point going into this one. And it was a talking point during the pregame press conference with Phil Neville. And that is, who starts at center back next to Nicolas Figal in this one? Because Leandro Gonzalez Pires is suspended due to yellow card accumulation, as we mentioned before. Ryan Shawcross, who did not dress in this weekend's match against CF Montreal, has been dealing with back spasms. He's a question mark for Wednesday. Phil Neville said he hopes to have him fit enough to play, but that if he doesn't, he's going to have to look elsewhere. And the other options are Ventura Alvarado, who just signed with the team, Christian McCoon, who's not a natural center back, although he's played there, but he's still pretty inexperienced at that spot, or an out-of-position Kelvin Leardam, he mentioned as a possibility, but I definitely don't see that happening. I think Kelvin Leardam continues to start at right back, and I think it'll be Nicolas Figal with somebody else. What do you do if you're Phil Neville? What, what do you think he's going to do, and what would you do? 
it sounded like he wants Shawcross to be fit. You know, I think he, they they appreciate that Shawcross has been struggling as well. Maybe thought that you know MLS was going to be a little bit easier than than it has been so far. Um, you know, he was sort of saying he had a back spasm and they can clear up very quickly. So it, it, he seemed to indicate that I think if Shawcross is fit, he he will play. Um, if not, then yeah, I mean it's it's uh, as as you as you just said, you know, um, Alvarado has, hasn't hasn't really played, has he? So um, it's it's he's got a, hasn't got that too many options, I guess. Yeah, but maybe put Figal in in the middle and then and then just change it and the fullback. I would have thought. So I think, like you said, he wants Ryan Shawcross to be healthy and go in this one. Although I think that's a risk because if you have a center back who his form hasn't been great and he's dealing with back spasms, I think if he's not 100%, that's a risk that you're going to take. But no matter the decision he takes here, it's going to be a risk because you can, if, if Shawcross is available, you're playing a center back that maybe is not 100%. If you play Alvarado, Alvarado you're playing a center back that is new to the team, hasn't developed that much of understanding or chemistry with the group, I imagine, and who has accumulated rust because he's been inactive up until recently. And if you put in McCoon, again, you're going with a younger option who is whose natural position is not center back, although he's played there at times, and who is very inexperienced. So either way, this is a big decision for Phil Neville. This could be a game-deciding one. Um, so it, I think he wants Shawcross. I don't know if Shawcross will be available, but if he's not, if he's not, I imagine he goes with McCoon. I imagine he, he, he kind of alluded to it today in the press conference Neville did when he said, you know, you want to play players that are, you know, most comfortable at the position they're in, or that, that's the idea or at least his philosophy. So with that in mind, I think he would put in Christian McCoon, who's left-footed, at the left center back spot and, and hope that he can deliver a good enough performance there. But it's a tough task. It's a tough task against against Orlando City. Steve, any other lineup changes that you think we'll see in this one? Rodolfo Pizarro, as Phil Neville also mentioned, today Monday will be available after flying back from Las Vegas after competing in the CONCACAF Gold Cup Final, which Mexico lost to the United States. So Pizarro will be back. Do you think he starts... Or do you think it'll still be Federico Higuain? And how do you see the rest of the team shaping up? Yeah, I guess you could freshen it up, I guess, and, and put Pizarro in. Although, you know, he's been you know, he's been with Mexico City for the last few weeks. Um, so I think he'd be loath to change a winning team. So I, I think Pizarro's a good option off the bench. He's got Pizarro on the bench. He's got Matuidi on the bench to, to come in. So that that's sort of good options that they can... Um, Sprinkle some tactical magic, just like he did the other day, and um, and, and make some changes. So I just, I just think in defence he's got the problems. I think I think everything else should sort of take care of itself from from Saturday night. Well, so he was also asked about Blaze Matuidi today, and he said, you know, he he, he thinks Victorio deserves to start, and he had no problem saying that publicly. You know, that's kind of showed his cards there. Not something Phil Neville or most coaches like to do and, and tip their hands, but he said flat out, look, Victor Victorio is starting on Wednesday. So I think the team will be exactly the same aside from, obviously, that centre-back position. I think it'll be either Shawcross or McCoon that starts at, at left centre-back. Um, you know, there, Maybe there's a possibility that, that he switches to five at the back, but, again, I don't, I don't think we'll see that. I think we'll see just a like-for-like like switch, either Shawcross in for the suspended Gonzalez Pires. If Shawcross isn't healthy enough, I think McCoon gets the nod. 
So we'll see how that goes. Steve, it's prediction time. What do you think happens on Wednesday? Does Inter Miami get another result? Do they keep this good run going with a third game? Or do they go back to the losing column? I think they will grind out a thrilling 0-0 draw. So a thrilling 0-0 draw. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Orlando City gets held scoreless at home. Okay. Well, right. I think, you know, they haven't really, they've been letting in goals. I think they'll be, you know, yeah, they've been, they, they'll always, they've always got a goal in them, haven't they? But they've, they've, they have been letting in goals as well. So they, they could be a bit of a stalemate. It could be a midfield stalemate. I think that's where the, that's where the main battle is going to take place is in the middle of the park. So um, they could cancel each other out. But then, yeah, maybe. Or one all. I, I think a draw. I think a draw. But one all, zero, zero, something like that. Okay, so you're saying a draw. I will say Inter-Miami goes back to the losing column. This weekend's game and the last two games, they have performed better than they have been. But even still, it's not all that great. No, we didn't touch on this. I didn't touch on this in the last segment. But the overall team performance wasn't great. It was the tactical decision from Phil Neville in the second half that, that changed the course of the game pushed the, the balance into Inter-Miami's favor and ultimately helped decide the game. But before that, the first half was pretty mediocre or, or subpar because defensively they didn't necessarily give up a whole lot, but they were getting outplayed and they weren't creating anything. You know, next they were creating next to nothing in, in the final third. It's like they, they run into a brick wall once they get to the final third, even when they start piecing together together some good attacking sequences. So I don't know if the, the performance, I don't know if they are going to be able to deliver a good enough performance in this one to really compete or, or challenge Orlando City. You know, going defensive here, going defensive mind is probably, it might be something Phil Neville considers because when you look at the run of play, Inter-Miami, again, has moments in terms of starting to connect sequences together, but once they get to that final third, they just don't generate a whole lot. And if you go back to this game, Phil, you know, Inter-Miami scores off of a penalty kick and uh, a, a ball that was maybe should have been saved but wasn't saved. So not like they were generating a whole bunch of clear-cut quality opportunities. And even before that second goal, CF Montreal had a very clear chance where... Mason Toy rounds Nick Marsman and, and he fires wide of the frame. He should have put that away. Um, so I don't think there's enough signs from the team performance that indicate that Inter Miami is in a good enough way that they'll be able to to stun the second place team in the Eastern Conference in their house. So I will predict a. That's a long way of saying I will predict a three to one defeat for Inter Miami in this one. So negative. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave it there. We'll see what happens on Wednesday in the sunshine. Clásico. But let's take another quick break, and we'll come back after this to answer the questions that we have in our Q&A session. And we'll do that after this. Primo, it's Q&A time. So we have quite a bit because there was all, there were some that came in right after we finished last week and that probably will happen again today. But I do think we should touch on at least a couple of them from last week that we didn't touch on. 
um, because I thought they were they were good questions. So the first question comes from Dose Knows. A good response by the team after the poor showing against New England. Do you see Phil benching both Pizarro and Matuidi for the rest of the season? This is a good question. Do you see them both being the second options at their positions? What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good. They're, you've got to have options. It's a squad game, isn't it? Um, you need to have options, something they, they didn't have. I think he'll he'll mix and match. Um, you know, they're, they're still... I mean, there's, there's, still, there's a fair amount of games to go, isn't there? I only played 14 games. I just... We haven't really touched this, but the, the league table is not looking that that great, really. Ten points off Montreal in in seventh, which is the cutoff for the playoffs. Um, you know, they, there's games to go for sure, but they need to start picking up wins. And I think you're going to need all those players to contribute. Otherwise, you know, they're not going to not going to do anything. So I think they're going to be in and out. And then, um, you know, you, you never know. Look at Iguain; he's kind of turned it around a bit, and now he's he's a, he's a starter again. If Bizarro magically comes in and does something, or if he's if if he's not sold in that in that time, which is looking unlikely right now because there doesn't seem to be any interest in him, um, you know, then he can he can obviously make an impact as well. I have a, a theory on Pizarro that I want to share. I do want to share, um, but I'll do so as we get later on into the Q and A session because, like I said, we have a few questions to to t- touch on here. I will say that. I think they're both at this point of the season and maybe for much of the rest of the way, they will be the backup options because Federico Higuain, I like what I've seen from him by and large in his reintroduction to the starting lineup. He helps knit together good attacking sequences. He moves the ball quickly and he also moves about the field to help with the link-up play. And, you know, he's not creating as much as you would expect him to based on his, you know, previous... MLS stints with you know DC United or with Columbus Crew obviously, but I still think he gives you a lot of good link of play in the middle of the field that helps keep possession, that helps connect and combine and, and bring people together. So I think that that is going to be for Inter Miami the the number one option at the at the ten spot. Obviously he's older; he's thirty six at this point in his career, so he's not going to be able to play. Game in and game out. So in the busy stretches like this week where there's three games in eight, nine days, I think, you know, in one of those you'll probably see him come out of the lineup just so that he can he can recover properly and, and not risk injury. So I think maybe on the weekend you could see Pizarro start. But again, I think by and large, at least from right now, from what we're seeing, I think Federico Iguain will be the number one choice at the 10. And, and you know, the same goes with Blaise Matuidi and Victor Uyoa at, at the at the eight spot. Now, if Uyoa's form drops or if Matuidi's form improves, then it's a different conversation. But right now, I think Uyoa and Federico Iguain are the starters at those respective spots with Matuidi and Pizarro behind them. Next question comes from Lewis, and he says, Gregory as captain could be the missing link, Phil, and even the players we're looking for. Someone with no baggage from last year's issues. I think a whole episode has to be devoted to this. If this was Phil's call, this was a game season saving move. So, I mean that that's a pretty bold bold claim there from Lewis. I don't necessarily think it's a, a season saving move, but I think it definitely helped Inter Miami take a step in the right direction, which we touched on last week. I think making Gregory the captain is a is a good decision for all the reasons we explained last week, including just having some clarity and and getting away from this very unorthodox for a system or for a captain system that just did not work. Yeah, I mean, she tried. I think it was a novel idea, wasn't it, for captains, mix it up. And, and clearly there was problems 
in, there, there has been problems in terms of chemistry um, in the locker room and, you know, other players maybe being not getting on with with each other and being divisive figures. So I think, you know, he looked to change that one guy. He's the leader. He he like, loves him, loves him. Uh, called him a dream, didn't he, the other week? Um, so, um, yeah, like you say, just, just a bit of clarity. But fair enough for, for trying something out. It, it didn't work. So you, so you make the change. That's it. Next question comes from Pablo Coppola. And this is actually a funny question. And he says, where's the pic of the suit we heard Coach Neville comment on during the press conference laughing emoji? So I wear suits to every game. I, this is something I started this year. Just I don't know. I just wanted to, to dress a little bit more my age. So I started wearing suits to the games. And Phil Neville commented on my on my khaki or or beige or tan i don't know what what color you would call it suit during the post-game press conference um he he jokingly said oh are you going to a christening um which was which was some good banter good banter there so obviously this is an audio podcast um i can't show you a picture here but i will find a way to do so either on instagram or on twitter well i'll find a way to show you a picture of of the suit please 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 don't do that please don't do that Thank listen you. listen hey if if people want to see it you know i'm, I'm a man of the people if if they want to see it i will i will uh, peruvian oblige, peruvian oblige. style icon yeah. <laughs> hey look you know the, the david beckham trickle down effect you know he, you know he's around you know you gotta you gotta you know dress the part Trust the part. Uh, next questions. <laughs> next two questions come from Joseph E. And they're obviously tongue-in-cheek because of the way they're written. So we'll start with the first one. Update on Miami Freedom Park. Anything? Uh, okay. Sad emoji. Next one comes. From, I mean, next one's the same. It's from him. Any update on a jersey sponsor? Anything? Uh, okay. Sad face emoji. So clearly he knows that there's really no update on either one. We haven't heard anything internally that has changed anything that you, that has come out publicly. So, no, there, unfortunately for you guys and unfortunately for Inter Miami, there is no update on either one. The shirt sponsor is weird, it is weird though, isn't it? They haven't been able to get a shirt sponsor. It's very, very strange. Yeah, look, I, I think, I think, look, and this is just me spitballing here. I think that they're trying to be more strategic with it at this point. I, I think, look, and this is, again, not information, just my sensation. I think they'll have one next year. I think they'll have one. When they debut the pink jersey, which I've reported, they will have a pink game jersey in 2022. I think with that, they'll have a, they'll have a jersey. Now, you know, why don't they have one now? I think with the pandemic and with how late things started, and with Paul McDonough wearing... Too many hats. Maybe the business side wasn't one that that suited him. I think that kind of hurt them, like it did on, on the field. I think it hurt them on the business side. So I imagine with Javier Asensi, I, I imagine that they'll they'll find someone that one gives them the money that they're trying to look for in the jersey sponsor, and that, well, yeah, that just gives them the money that they're looking for in a jersey sponsor. Oh, and that will give them, you know, the type of. Uh, brand that will reflect well on Inter Miami because obviously the Qatar Airways that was mentioned at one point that who's you know there was pictures that were filtered out in the 2020 expansion season you know there was a, a bit of backlash to that so we heard this year when they when they partnered with Auto Nation for the stadium naming rights deal and for the training top that they want to have business partners that are you know reflect the values of of the franchise so. 
I imagine by next year they'll have one, but that's just my 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 estimation. Um, next question comes from Roger Ojeda. Any chance that Pizarro and Matuidi are gone after the season? I'd love to see them both turn it around and contribute at a DP level, but I don't see it. Okay, so I, you know what? I will share my theory on Pizarro here, but Steve, I'll let, I'll let you start here on the question. Pizarro, I mean, we, yeah, we, we've touched on it already, haven't we? I, 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 there's a player in there somewhere, let's see, potentially. Uh, I wasn't following the Gold Cup that closely. The Olympics has taken a lot of my um, uh, viewing time recently. Did, did, he, did he have much of an impact playing for Mexico? He delivered a game-winning assist off the bench in the semifinals against Canada. Uh, 99th minute right-footed pass from the left side of the penalty area to Hector Herrera, who finished, and that punched Mexico's ticket to the Gold Cup final in Las Vegas, which, as I mentioned before, they lost 1-0 to the United States in extra time. So he did have an impact in that game. He did come off the bench in the final on Sunday night. Didn't make much of an impact. Kind of struggled about. So, again, I will touch on that right after Steve gives his thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, look, I think... Bizarro can can definitely have an impact this this season. Um, they're but trying are, to get. Will of, they be gone after the season? The question is: Are Bizarro and Matuidi gone after this? Season? They want them gone. Yeah, they want them gone for sure. Uh, Matuidi, I mean, you kind of see that potentially you could. I mean, he's. I don't know how long his contract was initially when he when he signed. He's probably still got. I think it's through twenty twenty two. So I think there's one more year. Yeah, he's probably on a good contract. He's going to rip it up. He clearly likes living in in South Florida. I'd say. I'd say Matuidi would, would possibly stay. I'd say they're, they're doing everything they can to try and get rid of, of Pizarro. They can't find any any buyers. But then maybe um, once the MLS season is finished, then, then, then that will help them. I've, I've got no idea. I mean, the, the, the Tigres was, was linked, was mentioned, and, and moved back to, to Liga MX. But they can't find buyer for him right now in, in this in this market. But um, a strong end to the season, and, and, and you never know. But... Um, if you ask Phil Neville, he wouldn't want Pizarro there next season. I wouldn't have thought no, because it, it frees up money where it could be invested far more shrewdly, I would have thought. So the, the question is, is there any chance that they're gone after this season? I say, yeah, there's a chance. I say, absolutely, yeah. there's a chance. Yeah. Now, uh, they could buy one of these contracts out, and they could do so in a way where they actually let the player go on a free, not not this Matias Pellegrini situation where they bought him out but still had to keep him on the roster uh, or at least around, um, they could just buy him out outright, let that player be a free agent. So they could just buy one out to free up that designation or that designated player slot, and that player can go on free and sign somewhere else. Like what happened with Giovanni Dos Santos and the LA Galaxy a few years ago. They bought out his contract, and then he went and signed with Mexico on a free. Obviously, that means uh, a loss because you're not going to, a financial loss because you're not going to get anything in return for that player, but but it does free up a DP spot. And given the ambitions that Jorge Mas has said he has for this team, I wouldn't be surprised if they buy out one of those two players because you can do it one per year. That is the the MLS rule. You're allowed to buy one contract out per year. So I could see them buying out one of the two players just so they can have an opportunity to better maximize that spot with uh, with a DP that actually on a more consistent basis, plays to that level. Now, I will touch on Pizarro really quickly because I have a theory on him after watching him play with Mexico at the Gold Cup. 
and I might go on a little tangent here, but this is this is just my theory, and it's not information. So just my my again my 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 feeling out, uh, um, just from watching him play. I think he's lost his joy for the game. I think he's not happy. I don't think he's he's enjoying playing soccer. I don't think he's in a good way in that in in that in that way because we just touched on that goal the the semifinals game winning goal in the 99th minute that he sets up and his reaction while most of the Mexican team is exploding into scenes of joy his reaction was just like a fist into the air and like a little shake like yeah we did it but he doesn't really sh- like exude this happiness or this joy and 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 elation that the rest of the team had and then when you see him play in the final he kind of just looks like the same player you've seen with Inter Miami just kind of has an apathy about him struggles to make an impact just not doesn't look very sharp I think at some point along the way here at Inter Miami or during his stay in South Florida that joy that he had that happiness that he had, the, the the ability to perform at least somewhat consistently in the early going of the expansion season, I think that was zapped. I don't know why, or I don't, I, you know, again, this is just uh, a supposition on my part. It's not information, but, you know, I, I couldn't tell you why that was if that's the case. But along the way, I think he has lost his joy for playing soccer. Um, because even if you remember back to last year, this might be looking far too into it, but it's just, again, my, my thoughts even if you look back to last year during the pandemic and even after the pandemic, Pisano posted on, on his Instagram story quite often. Him working out, him shirtless, him smiling. Just posted quite often. And now he posts almost nothing. He posts he posts like, you know, ads of of, of promos for games and things of that like, maybe pictures in with, with some friends like just hanging about, but you don't see a whole lot of him talk you know, promoting himself anymore like he did last year, um, when, when things were going a lot better for him. So I think there's an element to that here at play. I think even Phil Neville a few weeks ago kind of alluded to it by saying uh, that he had been taken in by the group a little bit more and, and he had been you know, showing a little bit more of a smile on his face, etc., etc. So I think there's definitely an element of that at play here. And like we said with Gonzalo Higuain earlier in the pod, if you're not feeling that great off the field, it's going to be make or it's going to make it that much tougher to perform on it because things can weigh you down mentally and emotionally and and, and at some points even physically so um i think that there's an element of that at play here but again that's, those are just my my thoughts um we have a couple more questions here steve do you think uh, this is a question comes from gerald do you th- and it's not directed at you steve i'm just i was just trying i was jumping the gun do you think diego alonso would have done better with this roster than neville so, Steve, I will let you start there. Who? Um, um, <laughs> wow. No, I mean, it's, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it's impossible to tell, really, isn't it? Um, no, I think it would have done the same. So, so really. Inter-Miami would be in last place and had just won their first game uh, in their 14th match of the season with Diego Alonso as head coach? You, you, that's what you believe? I think it would have been... I think it would... I don't... Th- it, 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 would it be markedly amazing, more... No, that's not the question. That's not the question. The question wasn't, is it going to be markedly better? The question is, do you think he would have done better with this roster? No. Okay. I will say yes. 
because he had a foundation that he had already laid last year. He knows some of the players. He got a good bit out of Lewis Morgan's. Yeah, but also that would that would be that, that would come into his like it would be his second season, wouldn't it? So you know, of course he would have been more had his right. feet. So on that, so, the table. so yes. The, the question is, do I think he would have done better? Yes, I do think he would have done better, and I'm, I'm saying because he has more familiar familiarity right. with the players, with the team, with Major League Soccer. It's, I do think they would have been better. I don't think Inter Miami would be in 14th place in the Eastern Conference and in last place in all of the leagues. So, um, yes, I think with Diego Lopez, they would have been better. question doesn't count. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. If I'm not, if I'm not uh, waxing poetry over Phil Neville's tactical decisions, you, 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 get, you get all Thank your feathers you. ruffled, huh? <laughs> Two more questions. Next one comes from Elder Bard. Does this team have a sports psychologist? I don't see much improvement on the ball as much as off the ball but how much of this season how much of this season's most common lineup won't show up next year a lot i think a lot i think a good portion of this team will change because again this team was built a year ago by paul mcdonough and diego alonso with a certain vision i think phil neville and chris henderson have a slightly or maybe a lot different look at it and i think players will be dropped that need to be, that they don't think fit their long longer term plans and I think you'll see more of the type of players that Phil Neville wants and that Chris Henderson wants um, but obviously within the the limitations that they're going to have because of the aforementioned sanctions it's just it's just how many it's just difficult to to make wholesale changes isn't it I guess you know to move people in and move people out how many I guess the way you can look at it is this you know how many players would be taken by by other teams. I mean, it's kind of, it's just like a little, you know, like a merry-go-round, really, isn't it? Are there, are there what are their most valuable assets? I guess Gonzalo Iguain, maybe. Um, no, definitely not. He's, I don't, I don't he's, know. he's at an elder point in his career. He's not. He's not a. Yeah, no. I, it, I think it's very, very difficult because I just don't think they have many bargaining tools in terms of moving players around because it's just. You know, some of them are just kind of mediocre, mediocre players, really, are they? So I think they they, they would love to make wholesale changes and do it, but obviously with the vagaries of MLS and the way it works, it's it's not that easy to do, is it? To make wholesale, proper wholesale changes like that. I th- I think I still think we'll see a good bit of change from this roster from this year till next. You know, I, again we touched on P- we touched on Pizarro and Matuidi as two players that maybe Inter Miami doesn't want around for next year, or that might not they might not consider for the, for their longer term future. I would say players like Julian Carranza, who's making a good chunk of change, a good bit of coin there, and is not really performing. I think they're going to try to find a way to free up his the money he's taking up in the salary budget or the salary cap. I don't know if that'll be with a loan or uh, a sell back to a team in Argentina. I don't know. I think there will be players that are moved on, and a good bit of them that will be that will be moved on. Um, and as for the first part of Elderbar's question, does this team have a sports psychologist? They actually do. And from what I know, the information I have, he comes around three times a week on average and is is there in the facility and obviously talks to the, the team and does his job there. You know, I, we haven't gotten a whole lot more on that or, or what. He we does. can ask. We yeah, can ask. Yeah, we can ask for sure um, to see you know what what more of his duties entail or what the team uh, is looking for there. But they do have one that does come around. He's not. A, I don't. He's not a full time one with the team, but he is around 
uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. The last question, Steve Primo, comes from Lucho Lalo, 1896. Any chance we see Alvarado playing the next two games? Want to solidify the backline a bit more? Also, are we looking at least to get into those Liga MX versus MLS tournaments? If we can't make it to the playoffs, I want to at least try to qualify for Leagues Cup. How does that work? So, do you want to start here? Or do you want me to start here, Steve? Yeah, you go for that. Okay, so the way it works is to qualify for either the CONCACAF Champions League or the Leagues Cup, you have to finish in a decent spot in the table. So, right now, Inter Miami is well below the places it would need to be to qualify for either one. It would have to be above the playoff line. I don't know. I'm blanking on which are the exact numbers. I would have to get back to you on you know which spots qualify for Leagues Cup and which ones qualify for the Concacaf Champions League. But you have to be obviously up above in the the playoff line, the red line. You know, if you're below the red line, you're not qualifying for those tournaments. So Inter Miami, in order to get there, has a good bit of work to do. Um, as for Alvarado playing in the next two games. I think his best chance would be Wednesday. I don't necessarily think he'll play on Sunday with Gonzalez Pires coming back into the mix unless you know some injuries happen on, on Wednesday to the likes of Nicolas Figal or, or you know something of the like. But I think with Alvarado, it's more of a longer-term play. Let him find his fitness, find his form, uh, shake off the, the rust from the lengthy spell of inactivity, and eventually have him as a depth piece. Especially as Steve had mentioned, if... The cases that they're going to try to move Leandro Gonzalez Pires in the in the short term future. Yeah, they're going to have to, I think, because he's one of the, the bigger owners, probably one of the more sellable assets as well, isn't it? So I think they're actively trying to get rid of him. So we'll we'll watch his uh, watch this space. All right, Steve, that does it for the Q and A session. Let's get your final thoughts. I'll give mine, and we'll wrap up the pod after that. Yeah, confidence I think is uh, is on its way back. I think they're building nicely, but the the league table shows that you know the the gap is is kind of widening between the, the bottom and where the playoff thing is. So they need to they need to keep on keep on picking up the results. But I think they they're turning the corner just at the right time. And now this middle part of the season, as Phil Neville said earlier, Bruce Arena said, it's not what happens in the start or the, or the end. It's the middle bit of the season which will really counts. Um, so, you know, even if they don't pick up anything on Wednesday, then obviously got another home game on at the weekend, uh, to try and pick it up. But they, they've, they've seemed to have emerged from that slump, I think. And, um, you know, and they're moving forward. So we'll have to, have to kind of see, see how they go in the next couple of games. How dare you misrepresent what Phil Neville said about Bucerina? He did, he did not say the end doesn't matter. He said the middle, what the beginning does not matter. But that the the middle on does because the end absolutely matters because it depends oh. if you get into the playoffs or whatnot. It's Sorry, just, I'm just I'm just <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. But um, it, it is true that an MLS doesn't necessarily meet you know what happens in the first few months of the season has all that much of a bearing on what happens the rest of the way because we've seen time and time again in this league that teams go on runs from the summer on and they make the playoffs and can even make deep runs for. Uh, excuse me, make deep runs in the playoffs and even try to get to MLS Cup. So from the middle on, you know, I think the Seattle Sounders are a prime example that have done that on a couple of occasions at least where they've improved drastically, remarkably, and then they've made the playoffs and gone on to push for for a title. My final thought, or my final thoughts are on Pizarro and Ulloa. Now, 
Pizarro will be back in the mix. Let's see how he does. But again, based on what I said before, I think I think that joy that he has is gone. You know, the, the smiling Pizarro that did the Joker goal celebrations that jumped into the stands last year to celebrate with a cardboard cutout of a fan during the the pandemic when the games were closed and not um not open to the to the supporters. I think his joy has kind of gone away. But maybe if he can get a goal, maybe if he can get a ball that bounce that bounce to him, or if he can get you know a, a fortuitous finish like like maybe like Gonzalo Higuain did this week maybe that helps reinstill some confidence and some happiness in him and that can maybe help that can play a bigger role for him or a bigger part for him to have a, a more of an impact down the stretch and the other one is on Victor Ulloa keep an eye on him in this game again I know he doesn't necessarily wow you with any one thing but he has been playing well as of late he has raised the level of his performances and he deserves a little bit more recognition because of how well he has performed for Phil Neville, an unsung hero as of late. So keep an eye on him because, again, I think he's been doing a very, very good job in the middle of the park and will probably be a big figure in this one against Orlando City in the Sunshine Classico. But that does it for this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back later in the week to review Wednesday night's game and preview the weekend match against Nashville SC at Drive Pink Stadium. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again very, very soon.